we have been blessed to be in this position where we are able to create awareness and serve the humankind. Being in transplant, it gives me tremendous satisfaction when I see somebody who may be dying and then they get a heart transplant and they are up and about. They can go and see their children, grandchildren, start working and earn for their family. It is such such a rewarding thing to be this field. Namaste, Dr. Majid. Namaskar. It's my great privilege to have you as my guest on Chatwachitra. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. It's my privilege. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I know that many prominent personalities have appeared on the show and it is a great privilege and honor to be with you. Thank, Thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I would like to start off by uh, asking about your early childhood. Which part of India are you from? I am from Kokan region, which is a coastal Maharashtra, western part, and that is right. where where I grew up. I went for my primary school. I was there until the age of six in that village, and I went to that school as well. So initially, right. I started uh, in a very small school. We used to be on the floor, uh, and it was a Urdu medium school, um, right. and that's where I started my schooling long time ago yes right. so what is the language you speak marathi like a kokni language i am uh, from maharashtra so my native language is like marathi and then from there we moved to mumbai and that's where i continued my further education right okay such a great honor to have uh, known you through my mentor dr paul sabapati ji um, he speaks a lot about you he speaks very high about you and that's how we are today and i've had this uh, extreme uh, privilege to have a chat with you on a virtual platform, though. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Mr. Uh, Sabapati is a great man, and he is uh, such a towering personality and inspiration to all. So I, I'm thankful to him for introducing me to you. Absolutely. I have got so many questions regarding... Uh, you know, organ donation. To start off with, I want to know, so what is the actual criteria to be a viable donor? Before I start with the donor, I need to tell you a little bit of transplantation with why somebody needs a transplant. Mm. When somebody has got heart failure, then the heart's function deteriorates and then they end up with uh, heart failure. Their heart is not able to cope. And in this situation, then they are referred for a transplant. Sim it is similar with kidney transplant or liver transplant. When the kidney fails, people go on to dialysis and they are not able to cope then they are referred for transplant. So transplant is one of the sort of a final treatment for any organ failure. And because it is required in such advanced cases, it depends upon the availability of organs. Now, the, the, there is a shortage of organs. So in if I take my field, which is a heart transplant, the patient will, they'll be breathless, they will heart failure, swelling or swelling of their bodies. And this uh, tends to be progressive and eventually the patient can succumb to heart failure. And therefore, before they are uh, in that state, they are referred for a transplant. There are many tests that they need to undergo before they are considered for a heart transplant. Because of, you know, 
we'll come to that in a minute, the shortage of organs. It is very important for us to choose the patient for transplant so that correct patients get the transplant and then we don't have too many patients dying because they are not getting a transplant, yes. if you know what I mean. True. Mm -hmm. So it is fascinating. You asked me where I come from. So when I trained in Bombay, it was Bombay then, now it is Mumbai. Mm. So as a heart surgeon, I sort of trained to do heart surgery. And then I came to UK way back uh, in 1996. In that time, my aim was just to learn some advanced heart surgery and go back to India. But when I came to Birmingham, I had the privilege of working in, in one of the five centers in UK, which does transplant and Birmingham is one of them. So here I was in a field, a boy who has come from, you know, a remote village in India, then studied in Bombay and getting a chance to work in the field of heart, heart transplant. Mm. And then I was introduced to this heart failure patients. And that's how my story or journey into heart transplantation started. And now yes. uh, we, we are here discussing about heart transplant just because of that journey. And uh, you are giving me the opportunity to speak about this. So I'm really, it brings back very fond memories of my place, how I was in India and now what stage I am in. Thank you for that. That's fascinating and so very inspiring. Um, Dr. Majid, I have also read that, uh, you know, the, the number of uh, organs that are needed is much less than the actual demand for the organs, right? So the, why is there a gap at all? And I feel personally, it is, it is such a noble cause. I also read somewhere that, you know, every organ donor is able to, a deceased uh, organ, is able to save at least eight lives. That, that, that's true. Yeah, it is, it, it is remarkable that an act of generosity on a part of somebody who is dying and the relatives, then they agree to donate their organs and that person can save up to eight or nine lives, as you correctly said. You previously asked me the criteria as to when somebody can be donor. In this country now, actually, Anyone can be an organ donor, can sign on the organ do donor register. Nowadays, we have the opt-out where, you know, everybody is considered as an organ donor unless and until they opt out. So if somebody, somebody needs to be in a hospital where, when they are dying, because these organs need to be removed in a specified time, which we will talk about it later. Mm -hmm. So the number of people that are eligible for organ donation is quite small. And also when it comes to consenting, the number of people that consent to organ donation is much smaller. Mm -hmm. And now this can be because of various reasons, like people can have misconceptions, as you rightfully said, especially our community, our Asian community, have a lot of misapprehensions uh, about uh, organ donation. They consider like our body is a sacred body, which is given uh, by the creator. And how, who are we to decide that we will donate part of our, our body and then either get buried or cremated? So th those are the, some of the things. And sometimes some people think that if they donate, uh, organs, their, their cremation and 
or burial will be delayed and also some people have mistrust like uh, mm. whether you know the organs that will be taken from my body whether they will be used to the appropriate person or not yeah, um, and in fact in in that some people think if I am an Asian or suppose I'm a Hindu or a Muslim, will my organ go to a Hindu or a Muslim? Or it can go to anybody else, which are generally, if you see the creator has made all of us, if we are able to save somebody's life, it is such a noble act and such a great act. And in that, if somebody thinks of, you know, that a religious reason, I think it is a misconception where, you know, I'm sure the creator will think that you have done such a noble act and maybe you will get rewarded for that rather than than you thinking that it is not allowed. So the reason you asked me the question whether why there are so many donors and why so many people require transplant. Now, if I take the condition of a kidney transplant, mm -hmm. the number of people that can have renal failure because of a lot of cardiovascular disease, especially in Asian people, there's a lot of diabetes, there's a heart conditions, and that can lead to, you know, a renal failure or heart failure. And many people require these transplants but the number of donors is quite small and therefore there is a discrepancy between the number of donors and the number of recipients that require transplant. In fact, due to which the number of patients that die because of not available, they are not getting a transplant is quite high in this country or elsewhere for that matter. So if I say, you know, at a given time, there are about 6,000 patients waiting for kidney transplant mm. and only about 2,000 of them get transplanted every year. So there is a big gap between that. And especially if you consider our Asian people, then a person has to wait nearly a year more than the British person to get a transplant because the matching has to be same. So there are lots of consideration. I'm sorry, I've gone into a lot of detail here. To answer your question, why there is a discrepancy, it is because the number of donors is quite small and the recipient requiring a transplant, kidney, heart, or liver is such a huge number. This education and awareness of transplant and organ donation needs to be done on a wider basis so that uh, this gap can be reduced. Yeah, you very rightly said, Dr. Majid, lack of trust on the, the doctors, lack of awareness. And uh, some people might be, as we see in, in the movies and also read in the media, what they call it as black marketing, if I may say so. There are so many cases that we hear and we see in the media, right? So it could be that, you know, people are a bit, they feel very insecure or, you know, there could be some misunderstanding due to religious sentiments, as you rightly pointed out. So these could be the possible reasons as to why people are not coming forward, particularly from the Asian communities. That's true. We hear from lots of cases about kidney transplant for, for that matter, like some 
people have uh, sold their kidneys and that is possible unfortunately you know asia uh, in india and pakistan where poor people are drawn into this and they sell their organs um, to get on some money that doesn't happen in this country because of the regulations and in this country you can't buy or sell organs it is only when somebody donates those organs uh, is so, then somebody can get transplanted so one thing to re- reassure people from this country that this buying and so- selling of organs doesn't take place so we need to tell people that this doesn't happen in this country so that there is more trust back in india and pakistan i think the governments are doing their best to try and regulate now i think in india also the transplant has taken off in a big way and there are many many people who are benefiting from transplant and a regulation the government is doing its best i think more needs to be done yeah. in in those part of the worlds but in in this country definitely there's no buying and selling of organs and only people when you know you can uh, you are donating either a relative or an altruistic donation which i'll talk about in a minute then uh, somebody can get a transplant right do we have such a process in the united kingdom and so, in birmingham where people can just go and register you know while they are healthy Yes there is a organ donor register where you can register yourself and as i said now there is this opt out law where um people are generally considered to be willing to donate unless they decide to go and opt out now i'll talk about the opt out system you asked me about uh, the do- donation so there are two types of donors basically one is a living donor and the other is a cadaveric donor so living donor is can happen in terms of kidney transplant which is very common in india also in in this country also where uh, if somebody needs a kidney transplant a relative can be tested to see if there is matching because the kidney transplant you need to have a genetic matching between the tissues so that that organ is accepted in a better way and that organ last and therefore so, can i interrupt yeah, here for yeah. a minute you said it has to match the tissues will have to match so does that mean that uh, a kidney donation uh, should be only from between families and not uh, otherwise no i mean uh, it's it's a very good question generally i'm talking about live donation now so live donation is better done between relatives in a good match the tissue have to be matched and therefore it is called hla matching and this is widely done now in the recent past there is a process by which you can do beyond cross matching but that is something recent mainly it it is the the living donors are matched nicely from a relative now that is called a living donor the se- second type of living donor is a altruistic donation where somebody across in just comes up saying i have two kidneys god has given me two kidneys and i want to donate one to anybody and anybody who who requires it so that can matching can be done and that can be donated that kidney can be donated and there are such noble generous altruistic people around 
in this country as well as in, in US where people just come up and say, I want to donate my kidney. It's like donating my part of money to a charitable organization so that somebody benefits. Some people are donating their organs for no benefit to them. That is a second type of living donation. Then the cadaveric donation is something which when somebody is dying, that these organs can be uh, transplant, uh, sorry, retrieved and then transplanted to somebody. Now, from the cadaveric donor, as you rightfully said, uh, kidneys, liver, heart, lung, pancreas, all these tissues can be donated. And in this, also the tissues have to be matched so that you can get the better outcome. For kidneys, the HLA matching is done and then uh, a donor is selected across the country wherever the panel is matched. For the heart, it is usually matched on the blood group and also on the height of the patient or the you know, size of the donor. So there are different criterias of matching. There are different criterias for a living donor and a cadaveric donor. So the cadaveric donor is the one which is more common and this is what we are talking about, creating awareness that when somebody is about to die, then the relatives, they consent and then those organs are harvested. I'm one of the surgeons which is involved in this process, which going to the donor hospital and performing the operation, it is done in like a proper operation for a donor where it is the donor is taken to the anesthetic room. There is a proper in the operating room, there's anesthesia and this operation is performed in a sterile manner. Complete you know, care and attention that is given to a, a patient, that operation is performed and the organs are then removed and then transported to, to, the, to the recipient hospital. So, so is this a very painless process? So in terms of cadaveric donor, because all these patients are nearly dead, you know, <laughs> their brainstem is dead. When the brainstem is dead, the patient generally doesn't feel pain, but they are receiving anesthetic agent. So this is usually from the cadaveric donor. It is one of the final step because what we are doing is stopping the circulation and then taking the organs. So once the heart stops, obviously the patient is no more and then these organs organs are taken so the pain it is done in a very dignified way and the patient generally doesn't feel the pain of this operation right. and when we talk about uh, organ donations see an individual can have a lot of other chronic ailments right and mostly asians are prone to diabetes hypertension and you know other illness so what exactly is the criteria for any person, any individual who is willing to donate, to be eligible for an organ donation, to donate organs? So the general criteria that people say is anybody who is willing to donate can register on the organ donor register. Mm -hmm. When the time comes, when somebody is dying, then the team, which is called the specialist nurses for organ donation, they go through uh, all the history and, and the general conditions and then decide whether the kidneys are usable or the heart is usable. So even if somebody has ailment, they can 
just put forward themselves for organ donation. Uh, if they are not useful, those organs will not be removed. So that is rest assured. So we generally say anybody who wants to donate should register for organ donation and not think about that they have diabetes, they have heart disease, this will not be used, that will not be used. That is the uh, sort of job of the team that is involved in organ donation to decide. For heart and lungs, we say if somebody is 70 and below, then only their heart or the lungs can be used. Right. But if, if they are more than 70, then the kidneys and livers are can be used as well. So there are donors who are 85 years of age who have donated their kidneys. So age is not a criteria. It's generally, we encourage people to register on the organ donor register. And the most important thing is when you register on the organ donor register is to tell your wishes to the family because when the donor is dying, obviously they are not able to sign the consent form at that time. So the, the family is asked whether you want to proceed to organ donation. Mm -hmm. So it is important that the person who is on the organ donor register lets the family know so these are his wishes and then, then the family can respect their wishes and donate those organs and what are the organizations in the uk and particularly in the midlands that would actually help people or family to uh, go through this process and make them understand and if they want to register help them register with this so there is The website called NHSBT or Organ Donor Register, uh, Organ uh, Donation and Transplant, ODT. If you type on the Google ODT, it takes you to that, that website and it shows you the ways of registering. It also tells you, you know, how the process takes place, who are involved in this, what organs can be donated, and how are the recipients selected. Every All information is on this NHSBT or National Health Service Blood and Transplant. ODT is Organ Donation and Transplant. And that is the organization which sort of regulates all this uh, organ donation in this country. And right. that is one of the organization which has now uh, pushed forward for this opt-out law. Curious to know, God forbid, if uh, there is a, a person who was met with a car accident and he's got a brain dead situation, and if he, uh, his organs will have to be used, is there any particular time limit that by which they have to be removed from that body and uh, you know, taken to the uh, the person who really needs it? Yes, that, that, that is very important. A very good question you have asked. I'm sure you have done your homework very well. So if somebody has, has an accident, they, they, have, they will obviously be admitted to the hospital. They will be in the intensive care unit where their brainstem test will show that, you know, the brainstem that is there and there is now irreversible damage and then they can proceed to organ donation. So after that, the organ donation team comes and then before the heart st stops, makes all the process and takes the donor, donor to the operating theater. So when the circulation is stopped, the heart needs to be used within four hours. That is when the circulation stops, the heart stops till the heart 
to be started in the recipient within four hours, it has to be transplanted. The sooner the better. The lungs within six hours, they need to be transplanted. Liver within eight. The kidneys can be transplanted within 16 to 18 hours. So you can imagine that within four hours, the heart has to be taken to the recipient hospital and then the surgery performed so that the heart is started in the recipient within four hours. So this takes a lot of organizing, a lot of resources uh, and coordination between the uh, organ donation team and the recipient hospital for the organs to work very well. So the, the, these things are coordinated very well. Nowadays, there are certain machines available, which we introduced in our hospital a few years ago, where the heart can be taken out uh, once it stops in the circulation, taken out and then be put on that machine and the heart can be restarted on the machine and it can be then transported in that beating state to the recipient hospital. This allows us more time to transplant. And if we have this machine, then it can be, uh, the heart can stay out of circulation for longer and we can do the trans transplant operation uh, in a less rushed way. So th these are the newer, this. Otherwise, the, these operations, uh, the organs have a finite time out of circulation and they need to be transplanted as soon as possible. So right. for example, if, if, if I, I give, we so, sometimes if the donor is far away, then we are flown from the Birmingham airport in a, in a small jet plane. And when we reach the donor hospital, and from there we perform this operation, we take the heart and the heart, we fly back to the recipient hospital. This all this is very organized process, and this is to save the time for the heart or for these organs to stay out of circulation for longer, so that we have the best possible outcome for the recipient, and they do very well after that transplant. Right. That's very useful information. And I'm also curious, say, if you take out an organ from a donor, would you store it for some time? Is there any storage time, or you just take it out and then you utilize it immediately onto the person, say, as you said, three to four hours or four to six hours. So the organs are only removed if there is a recipient available in the, in the country. So Ooh. none of the organs are taken and stored. They uh -huh. cannot be done that. So heart, as I said, within four hours, it will be useless if you don't use it. So unless and until we identify a recipient for a heart, mm -hmm. lungs, liver, kidney, the organs are generally not removed. For kidney, however, yeah. some uh, the kidneys can be removed and kept in that uh, ice box for a period of 16 hours so that a proper recipient can be identified. But for generally for heart, lungs and kidney, unless until the recipient is identified in a hospital, the organs are not removed. So none of the organs are wasted as such. All the organs that are removed are transplanted are transplanted and mm -hmm. before taking the organs out there are lots of tests that we do on the donor to make sure that those organs are working well we uh -huh. do a, you know there's something called echocardiogram to look at the scan whether the heart is working fine then we do certain tests such as bronchoscopy to make sure that the lungs are working well and 
you see, all these donors are very precious. All these organs are very precious. So all the possible care is taken to make sure that those organs are utilized to the best possible means and the best outcome. So if I give you an example now for heart, if there are, say, 100 donors in the country which we attend, out of those, only 50 we will find that they're usable because the rest 50, the work, the function will not be good. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that if suppose there are 60 million population, then out of them, maybe only, you know, thousand or 2000 will die in hospital. And out of those, if there are hundred organs, only 50 will be used. So you, that's, you know, you've asked me the first question, why there are only few do donors available and there are so many people waiting for transplant it is just because of this that if more and more people opt to donate organs then we will be able to utilize more organs it is because of the number of organs usable organs that we get is very small Th that is the reason that many people need to sort of donate organs. The other thing that has happened in the recent past, unfortunately, in our community is because of the misinformation and this really certain religious um, misconceptions, people have, you know, spread the messages that the government is out to take the organs and everybody should opt out rather than opt in to donate organs. Now, th this is completely uh, misinformation because the government will not or nobody will take the organs unless and until the family signs the donation form when the time comes. So as I said, there's a lot of misinformation and you are doing a very great job of doing making such interviews so that people get the correct information. I'm grateful yeah. for that. In the process, I have learned a lot, you know, reading about this. I feel that, you know, if we have this conversation beforehand uh, with the patients or with the families, I think it would have created more of an awareness. And also, we do have a lot of information on the internet and also in certain selected centers. I feel it would be more effective if we have, you know, walking centers or conference or, you know, little talks so that people are uh, aware about this and what exactly goes through the entire procedure, you know, so that all these myths and uh, rumors, you know, they can try to dispel their fears and make them more confident and make them to register for uh, the donation as such. Absolutely, yes. You, you, you've hit uh, the right chord here. I means, and in the recent past, I means I started doing this awareness program way back in 2009 when we used to go to small communities, charitable organizations, mosque, and try and educate people. And that's when I realized that there are so many myths and barriers and uh, religious uh, reasons yeah. why people were thinking in terms of so that's why we approached lots of imam and now there are lots of people uh, who are doing a great job who have contracted the imams and the nhsbt also has done involved uh, people from every religion and uh, religious background ethnic background so that they can understand what their concepts are and there are imams or or you know pandits pujaris all have been involved in trying to 
ad address these issues and come up with the solutions so that our people accept that this is something, it's a noble act of donating this organ and agree to donate the organs. Yes, it is such a noble cause and what more satisfaction can we get than, you know, helping another life even if we are not alive anymore. That's such a noble cause and I feel through these little steps, we can try to create more of an awareness because the, the amount of information that is available on the internet is just amazing. But for a person who's not a, a, from a medical background, in order to understand and the way how very beautifully you explained it, you know, the entire process and so many questions that I had in my mind, I mean, they were so very well answered and I'm sure people who are watching this would also be equally benefited. I, I can't thank you enough. No, no, surely that, that is our aim in, in having such conversations and chats. Um, of course, sometimes uh, such less time or you are not able to give the complete information. Yeah. I hope I have been able to clear some of the doubts. There is lots and lots of things that can be said about this organ donation and awareness and people you know, there are lots of videos also available now on the site that I said. They are in different languages. They are in Hindi, Tamil, uh, Bengali, English, and all Punjabi as well, so mm -hmm. that, that people can understand this uh, information. And if somebody has doubts, you know, there are people, organizations available who can answer their doubts. What I feel is, you know, serving humanity, reducing the suffering of people. You, you see, if somebody is on dialysis, it is such a suffering for that patient because that patient has to go to a dialysis center three times a week, sit connected to that machine. And that machine, when the blood is being cleaned, it's such a tedious process. People feel, you know, tired during that time. And it is an artificial process. And also then they can't drink uh, completely because they're not able to pass urine. So they have to take sort of restriction. It's a, it is a, such a suffering when they are in kidney failure. And when they get their transplant, they are back to normal life. And it is like as if they have had a new life. So it's like saving life. What more can generosity act can be when more than saving life. And that person is somebody's father, somebody's mother, somebody's son, daughter, brother, sister. And then they go back and they can sort of contribute to the community at large. So this is what I not enjoy more, but that gives me the satisfaction of serving the human suffering. I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit tangent, but I need to mention that my father, who was a teacher, and he understood the value of education. He was a strong patriotic Indian. And he always said, you should serve your own community wherever you are. So I am in this country, obviously, I cannot serve in Maharashtra, in Kokan region, but here I try to serve our community in here and passing the message of health and all this health awareness, organ donation awareness, so that we are able to elevate human suffering and do something good. It means mm -hmm. we have been blessed to be in this position where we are able to create awareness and serve the humankind. So being yeah. in transplant, it gives me tremendous satisfaction when I see somebody who may be dying and then they get a heart transplant and they are up and about, they can go and see their children, grandchildren, start working and earn for their family. It is such, such a rewarding 
thing to be, uh, you know, be in this field and see so many patients being absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and I think here, primarily, we are also trying to convey a very important message, uh, Dr. Majid. Uh, in order to establish everybody with a healthy lifestyle, there are ways and means wherein you, we can help out people, but. Most importantly, if you if you lead a healthy life and maintain a healthy balance and with your lifestyle, I think all these problems could be minimized also. So I think there is an important message which is, which is also being subtly conveyed. Or that that is absolutely prevention is better than cure any time. Any time I wouldn't wish that anybody suffers. You know, heart failure. We especially we Asians are blessed with good looks like Shah Rukh Khan and Salman Khan, but we are also blessed with certain bad genes such as diabetes, heart disease. So we have to balance between yeah. both. But you know, with healthy lifestyle, watching what we are eating, exercising, we are able to sort of control those things. And that also message should go out. It's not. Uh, that when somebody is gone to heart failure that you see, seek help, but it is prevention is always better than cure. That's a very yeah. good message, yes. Now, we did talk about transplants, right? Um, is there any particular age limit that we are talking about? What should be the age uh, wherein you a person can have such kind of a transplant? I know it depends on his or her medical history, but is there any uh, norm that, you know, there is a particular age by which, you know, by beyond this, it is not safe or... You know, below this, it's not safe. Is there any parameter at all? Sure. No, for, for a transplant, you know, there are certain babies who, who, who are born with congenital heart condition and the heart doesn't work, so they can get transplanted. So there are certain children's condition which the people are born with. They have some correction of surgery, but when they become adult, that heart fails and they get transplanted. So any age from childhood, adulthood, until, I mean, we say 70 in this country is the age for heart and lungs transplant, but the kidney transplant can be beyond 75, 80. It is not a biological age. We don't say it's not a chronological age. You know, as you know, age can be ageless. You know, it, it doesn't depend upon outside or the numbers. 70 years of age may, may be like the internally he's kept so fit that he may be just like 50 or 55 years with no other condition. Generally, as a rule of thumb, we don't go by chronological age. We try and ascertain how the other organs are working, how, how healthy that person is. Then we consider then for heart or, or, or lung transplant. Um, right. But generally 70 is at the moment in this country, but in, in US, in certain Europe, 75 years of people also have had heart transplant. There is a, a U.S. senator who was 77 and he was transplanted. Age is now being sort of, uh, is, is a fluid because of the advances and how the patients are managed. The age, I'm sure the age limit will be going up and up for getting transplanted. Okay. That's very useful information. Uh, lastly, before we go to the second segment, uh, I want to know, you know, with the advancement of technology these days, we have the stem cells. Going forward, with the invention of these stem cells, do you think the organ donation is going to be a challenge in the coming years? Stem cell is a very good technology, and we have started sort of growing cells or tissues in the laboratory, but to grow heart, it might take a while, though human heart, 
they have uh, you know first a small heart like a mouse heart but to grow a human heart or a lung uh, it is going to take take some time to grow these in the laboratory certainly stem cell will revolutionize the management of the disease but i think the transplant is there for at least few years now and also we have certain machines available like artificial heart now which is available which can be used but still these are few years away i mean we have started using artificial heart but they are not a replacement for a natural heart yet still some technology needs to be to advance further to get this so the newer technologies are obviously a blessing and more work needs to be done on that but in future i'm sure people can just go in in the boots buy a heart and then uh, get it transplanted so we i look forward to that uh, those age uh, uh, that era but I, i may not be around to see that though right right well, that's very very useful information uh, dr majid we now go to the second segment of the chat which is uh, right side of you um, so my examination is over now yes <laughs> 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 successful yes humble hard working and kind what is your lifelong dream <laughs> you know the dreams change when you are a young boy my dream there were two dreams one was to be a great singer like mohammad rafi mm. and second was to be a very successful cricketer but this was when i was a boy obviously when i grew up the dreams change as you know my dream one day will be to uh, to see a world where there will be no suffering there will be no poverty and every everybody will be happy live in peace and harmony you know we see we are seeing lot of religious discord we are seeing lot of social discord my one dream that i always prayed to god comes true maybe not in my lifetime hopefully in my lifetime is all human beings living in harmony and in peace with each other without any hatred against each other such a beautiful thought and i really hope so that you know your dream certainly comes true you know we we have lived through difficult time i mean especially in india and now we are seeing a different kind of environment so i just pray and hope that everybody lives in harmony or across the world yeah what is that one song that you hear most often kya hua tera wada ye wo kasam wo irada that's a song from i think yadav ki uh, not yadav hum kis yadav ki barat hai yeah yadav ki barat fantastic yes, that's yes. a classic yeah and also there's another song which uh, i hear a lot and like it which mm-hmm. senior field but i can't sing it of him laga chundri me dag oh what a song it is to be my classic and i've heard it so many times that song amazing yeah such a beautiful song what is your best childhood memory when i was young and we all six brothers and sisters used to stay in a small house in bombay and all of us you know we used to be together having 
meals together, my younger sister who is no more with us now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of us used to play together and that was my, is my best memory yet, as yet, especially because we have lost one sister. How do you define happiness? Happiness, I think is a feeling, feeling of contentment um, and it's able to, when you, when you are able to help somebody in suffering and, you know, the satisfaction you get out of when you see that person's suffering go away, mm-hmm. um, that is happiness to me. Um, yeah. Well, Are you a leader I mean, or a follower? I would say more of a follower than a leader, but uh, in my hospital, I have I've got a leadership role, but more of a follower, I think. Right. Chocolate or coffee? I, w- I was going to say neither um, because I'm a tea drinker, but yes. if, since you have asked me chocolate or coffee, I think it would be coffee more than chocolate. What motivates you? It's the drive to, to succeed. I think I, I feel that I have not achieved what I want in life in terms of my aspirations in order to help people, to help the next generation of my family. And I want to keep going and sort of inspire my next generation of people so that they achieve their dreams. Four things that you would like to change about yourself. I think there will be hundreds of things. Obviously, my age would like to be child again. Second thing is I would have rather been in India. You know, there are amenities here, but I would have rather been India serving my community with my family and and serving those poor people of India. Thirdly, be a better friend. I would like to be a little bit more gentle. Maybe I would like to be more sportsman like a person. I would have liked to be a better sportsman. Fantastic. What's your favorite food? Desserts. Even if I don't get any proper food and Mm -hmm. I get my dessert I'll be happy. Rasmalai and Firni and all those. Your favorite uh, holiday destination? I think it will have to be South Africa. I have not been there, but I have heard a lot. So with this, we come to the end of this very inspiring chat. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Majid, for your time. It's my great privilege to be speaking to you and uh, know more about uh, in a nutshell you have just described it so beautifully and I'm sure it will be very beneficial to all our viewers as well. And I I would like to wish you all the very best. And I look forward to meeting you in person soon after the the COVID is all settled. I must say thank you to you and it's you're doing a great job of putting such uh, chat shows together on informing people and health awareness. I I know you work on uh, improving mental health through music and it's a great job you're doing. And I'm I'm glad that I've been able to play my part in, in, in your wider work. And thank you very much. And I just uh, wish you everyone the best. And especially in this pandemic, I hope everybody is back to normal as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Okay, namaste. Bye-bye.